As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We're going to look back on that welcome win against Brentford, including the good attacks that took place for and against Manchester United. More on that later. And we'll also preview the game against Everton this weekend as well, which I'm feeling a little bit better about uh, than before the match last night, I have to admit. Um, but it's a good morning to Andy Mitten. You all right, pal? Yeah, looking forward to this. Nice to talk after Manchester United winning a league game. Yeah, I don't need cheering up today, unlike the last podcast. Um, it was nice for a couple of people to message and give me reasons to be happy. So um, I wasn't actually down. It was just more sort of to make a feature of the fact that we'd been so miserable on the pod. But we don't need to be miserable today, do we, Laurie Whitwell? No, the sun is shining in Manchester and Manchester United have won again in the Premier League. 1-0, but it was a, a good performance against a team that are quite difficult to play against, uh, even if you have got good attacks. And uh, yeah, so I think positive news. Back in the top four as well. I was telling anyone that would listen a stat that I'd looked into myself, which was that Manchester United last night were kicking off for the first time in the Premier League outside the top four in 2023, uh, which might explain why we were so concerned about that match. Um, Wasn't a classic Andy by any stretch really, but a very, very important three points. It was all about the three points, Ian. That's all that mattered. Manchester United had not scored in the three previous Premier League games. Brentford are a very competent team. We saw that at August in August when they hammered Manchester United. They only lost once since the World Cup. They're 16 points better than they were last season. They beat Manchester City away. I think they drew at Arsenal away. I remember them playing very well. And because Manchester United had been slipping, as you say, it was all about getting a win. 
win ugly, just get those three points because that Brentford game and Everton at the weekend are vital if Manchester United are going to finish in the top four. Newcastle United had a very good win at West Ham. Uh, Tottenham dropped two points on Monday. I watched that game on TV. Go on, Michael Keane. <laughs> Great strike, wasn't it? And I found myself like, I've never cheered for Everton as much in my life watching that. I went up when they scored. I was surrounded by Evertonians. So you can ask me anything about Everton because they, they work in football professionally. So I've, I learned a lot about them. Every Evertonian knows everything there is to know about Everton. <laughs> That's just the way that they are. Well, the positions of some of the people I was sat in Definitely. And I was I was in Switzerland. <laughs> they were there for football. Very passionate, aren't they, as well? I was buzzing when Keane put that ball in because you know, Tottenham lost two points there. And coming the day after Manchester United's awful performance and result at Newcastle United, things are looking a little bit brighter. Um, but that, that win against Brentford was really, really important. It certainly was. And do you know something else, Laurie, as well? United have undoubtedly had some bad days this season um, and Newcastle was, was up there with, with the worst of them in, in the manner of the performance. But whenever this team is in real question this season, they've always been able to, since that original 4-0 defeat at Brentford, react. And last night wasn't a spectacular reaction, but it, it, was, a, it was a match to prove the character and the spirit of the squad. Once again, just one change from Eric Ten Hag from the match at St. James's as well, which, like the Real Betis selection after the Liverpool defeat, felt like a bit of a statement too. Yeah, I mean, after we spoke on the podcast you know, earlier this week and the fact that Ten Hag pointed out the determination, Luke Shaw pointed out the resilience and the character and the, the passion was, was the thing that was lacking against Newcastle, which is the thing that, you know, we kind of, uh, praise United for this season. Um, it was good that actually it showed itself again because it was, you know, difficult that second half. I think the first half they played really good football. Actually, I think uh, particularly against a team like Brentford that can make situations really awkward. United were able to kind of keep the ball and, and just pressurise and create chances. They weren't like you know guilt edge chances, but they were good scoring opportunities. And the second half was different. You know, clearly Brentford. Uh, changed a few things and it required yeah blocks uh, for shots it required chasing back it, it did require David De Gea to pull off another really good save one-on-one and I think that was a really impressive one actually because you know usually it's his reactions that we're kind of talking about and the the lightning fast um, hand up to a, to a high ball but this was actually a one-on-one you've got a few seconds to compose yourself and, he, and he, I think he psyched out uh, the opponent there uh, yes, yeah, so, but yeah, going back to your point, I think yeah, the character resilience that we have given them credit for was back, uh, you know, in abundance. Um, one nil, you know, only one goal again. But I know, Andy, you've touched on there, United not scoring the three Premier League games. That was something I mentioned to Tenag after the game at Newcastle, and he, he kind of uh, disregarded it. Sort of said it was uh, he had to laugh because you know it's it's almost a, an invented narrative because they had scored against Fulham and and Betis in between those games. So um, that's that's an I thought that was an interesting aspect that he wanted to push back against. Um, but I mean, four, I think forty two goals now in the Premier League this season. Um, so it's not it's not great, and that is obviously why the goal difference is so low. But the main thing at this stage of the season, particularly after the run they've had in the Premier League, was getting that win and and again against a good Brentford side. Yeah, Rashford pushing 30 goals now uh, in all competitions, but actually that was his first goal last night in the Premier League since mid-February, since the victory over Leicester, which again, you know, Ten Hag, if he was sat here now, would be saying, yeah, but he scored against Betis and he scored (laughs) in the FA Cup or the League Cup final or whatever. But yeah, the, the Premier League form 
has been masked in a way by the success that United have had in the cup during this time. And that's why last night's result was so important as well. An interesting midfield shape, Andy. Tenag was asked about it a lot that I heard post-game. He didn't really explain it fully, which perhaps you wouldn't expect considering he might use it again. But there was definitely a difference with, with Sabitzer much further forward and Bruno Fernandes much deeper. Tenag actually said that they'd done it at Newcastle yeah, for a period, but but it was it was more noticeable last night, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it worked. And I think if we're going to criticise him for some of his substitutions at Newcastle, we should praise him for dropping Valbegos because it's just not not working and bringing Sabitzer in in a more advanced role. I think it was the first time he made two consecutive uh, league starts. I thought his link-up play with Marcus Rashford was one of the stronger features of the game against Brentford. They were looking for each other all the time. And I don't think it was a coincidence that he headed that ball down towards Marcus Rashford. I thought that was a really clever header. If you watch it again, he's got five players around him. And there was really good link-up play between them. He had a good shot himself in the second half at Sabitzer, which was well saved. So I think it was an encouraging uh, night for him. Hmm. I think there were lots of 7 out of 10 performances. I don't think there were any real standout performances. We could You mentioned McTominay. I thought he had a decent game. He was tireless. He was blocking. Because you're playing against side who's, who are capable of good attacks. You've got to be prepared for them. And Varane and Martinez, I thought, were very solid at the back. It's not easy to play against uh, Ivan Tony and Brian and Bueno. They did. They lost Luke Shaw after 37 minutes. So... We can, I mean, we can be cautiously optimistic uh, about that because Brentford are very good. I, I watched Brentford take Liverpool apart a couple of months ago. They're really, really good. But as Thomas Frank said after the game, when Brentford are disappointed not to get something at Old Trafford, it shows how much progress they have made. But Sabitzer have worked. I still feel with the lone players that they are short-term solutions. Don't think there'll be protests to keep about Vegos, Sabitzer, okay, we maybe make more of a judgment as he plays more matches, but I think it was a good night for him. Yeah, I think the other factor was that Brentford just weren't able to play, certainly in that first half. United had, had learned the lessons, I think, of, of the matches that they'd had uh, against Brentford previously. And I, I interviewed Marcus Rashford after the game as well, and he was very deliberate in the way that he talked about the types of things that they'd worked on to stop Brentford playing and to try and um, provide a counter threat to that. Let's talk about the vout in the room, uh, but not in the team. Um, you wrote a, a quite an in-depth piece about Veghorst yesterday on The Athletic, previewing his 20th straight start for Manchester United, Laurie. Um, <laughs> didn't quite work out, that one, did it? Massively jinxed him, didn't I? Um, didn't get off the bench, the poor lad. I know. Well, you said, what, did he warm up once, you said? I think I noticed him in warming up once. Well, they, they walked like past us to go and warm up where the seats are. Yeah, I, I remember him warming up in the first half, but not after that, I don't think. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Val. Maybe I've jinxed you there because um, the, the reason why I thought that he might still start was just a little bit of the reference to that Liverpool game where, you know, Tenard basically said, right, you same 11, go out and yeah. do better this time. So I thought that might come into it. But then also just Anthony Marshall, I just thought there's no way he's starting Anthony Marshall because he's, you know, he's, he's kind of treating him with kid gloves this whole time this this latest injury setback he's been stung before by bringing him back too soon he started him in the Manchester derby and he came off at half time so I thought there's no way he's starting him and, and he, he sort of spoke about that didn't he after the game saying that he's not game fit to to start matches yet um, which is yeah it's kind of still a, a bit of a crazy situation 
but then obviously he then puts Marcus Rashford up top and, and brings Anthony and Sancho in. And I think that that's yeah, was obviously it paid off. It was the right move to do. Um yeah, because I just felt it was a it was a, a time to maybe assess Valvegos. I mean, nineteen starts since he joined the club uh, in, in 80 days basically um, so you know around Old Trafford in 80 days or whatever you might want to say um, but you kind of forget that he, he signed you know on January the 13th had like one proper training session with his teammates then went straight into the Palace game and he's just been on this treadmill ever since you know game 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 even, even playing for the Netherlands you know in the in international break so he's, he's played a lot of games and his availability is something that I think you can't you know overlook uh, particularly when you do have Anthony Marshall on the other side of things but yeah the, the numbers just were were not great um, I mean it was interesting Gary Neville touched on him in Monday Night Football where he had the kind of comparison with Cristiano Ronaldo and, and the fact that with Val Vegas in his 90 games United had like you know won 12 drawn four lost three and scored 37 team goals with Ronaldo's last 19 games United had won nine drawn three lost seven and scored 23 so a big drop the difference obviously being that Vegas scored two goals and Ronaldo scored 11 um but then so if you actually drill down a bit deeper into it you know Vegas when you compare him to other strikers that you know other forwards really that, that teams have got in the Premier League he's just way down so like you know he's expected goals um, per 90 so that's like the fairest metric I think to measure up against each other um, he's on 0.19 um, so effectively he'd have to play five games to get a sort of an expected goal of, of one um, and you know the likes of Alexander Isak's up there on 0.76 and Haaland's obviously way ahead at 0.86 and you know but the, the next the next sort of next he's just way down he's like in 80 odd position out of like 89 forwards in the Premier League to have played you know uh, 270 minutes um, and shots on target same thing touches in the opposition box even um, passes ending in the final third which I thought maybe that would reveal that he does contribute in this link up play but even then he's, he's so he's down at 7.39 passes into the final third per 90 and you're sort of looking at other other strikers he's, he's below you know Cristiano Ronaldo was on 11.25 so he was kind of linking play uh, more when he was he was playing um, and actually the, the one thing that Vegas clearly does does really well is, is is the pressures you know so it's that stuff off the ball and he commits himself to it absolutely that Ten Hag wants you know to kind of start that press up high um, and he is he he ranks highly for that. So when you look at the the most frequent presses in the Premier League, um, he's fifth um, according to Opta. It's when a player basically closes down uh, an opponent who's got the ball, and it can be applied to players that have got the ball or you know potential receivers. So if you cut off a passing lane. And then in terms of most effective presses, so basically every time that Valverde has uh, made a pressure per ninety, um, forty seven times, that's resulted in a turnover, which ranks him third behind Alexander Isak, who I think we saw at St. James's Park is very good at pressing off the ball, very sharp with it. And Patson Daka at Leicester's the second uh, ranked player. Do you know who the fourth ranked player is for that metric? Uh, I do, but I'm not going to say it because I think you should have the big reveal because it was quite okay. shocking. <laughs> yeah, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow. So he, yeah. so Bizarre. Yeah. So Valtvegor, 6.81. Uh, pressures resulting in a turnover per 90 Cristiano Ronaldo 6.75 pressures resulting in a turnover per 90 so I mean I was trying to figure out how you explain that because you know to the eye test it looks like he doesn't he didn't really commit himself to it but I think maybe you know he might he might have been reluctant to do it because certainly that was our information but I think when he did do it he was pretty effective at it so you know uh, credit to it because he, he doesn't come anywhere on the the overall you know the amount of times the volume that um, these players are kind of running at defenders when when they haven't got the ball but then yeah so I put this out there you know thinking that he was going to start his 20th 
Premier League game, or sorry, 20th game for Manchester United in a row, and and no, on the bench. So sorry, Val, but I, I think it, it has come to a point, hasn't it, with him where Ten Hag had to take him out of the firing line because he, he, his performance at Newcastle was was really bad. Yeah, and there's been players available now who haven't been available over the course of those 19 games that he started as well, which allows Eric Ten Hag to to not have to to play him. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Andy, did the sort of pressures per 90 and, and uh, expected goal involvements get your juices flowing? I, I saw you listening intently to our Laurie's stats there. I was with some people on Monday who were originally behind That's a no, then. Brentford's modelling system. He's going to give you a good answer, Eri, and you've oh, mocked okay. it, and he's going to give you, you know, we haven't got Carl on the show today, but we're going to start getting technical there. Come on, Andy, what have you got? All right, so I was with people who were at a very high level on Monday in Switzerland who were behind Brentford's original modelling system and they basically invented expected goals and it was invented for gambling. And they told me um, all the different metrics and obviously Brentford have done it famously so. They gave me other examples of clubs who were using data far more than others, right down to Notts County who are doing well in, in the National League. I think it's becoming much more mainstream, the idea of, expected goals i think it, it, it is a it is a trusted source of information we can also see with our own eyes that Valt Vegost, when you play for manchester united you should be scoring goals and Laurie said that the numbers don't look great we can see that i think there's a couple of things here the main thing is manchester united need a number nine that's the headline the club know it everybody knows it um this is the club of Law Best, Charlton, Van Nistelrooy, Rooney, Ronaldo, and a playing a lad who, if you're going to be uncharitable, couldn't get in the Burnley side last season. But I actually think United fans have been charitable to him. I don't think they've mocked him. I think they've been pretty supportive towards him. I saw Diego Forlan get hammered when he was struggling to score. I saw Gary Bertels get hammered when he came in for a big transfer fee. Begost hasn't come in on a big transfer fee. I get why he was signed. It was needs must. The season didn't play out as United expected it to. Didn't expect Cristiano Ronaldo to blow up mid-season. Wouldn't have been unreasonable for United to hope that Anthony Martial can play more than one game in 10. He's been almost no use to Manchester United. I still think Martial's a good player, but a player who can't play is no good to anybody. And I also think that more could have been expected this season from the other attackers. There's a complete over-reliance on Marcus Rashford. 
Anthony is hit and miss. He's more of a threat away from goal. Okay, he's in his first season. We'll cut him slack there. Jaden Sancho has been disappointing, not just this season, but since he signed from Borussia Dortmund. I think United fans were so excited when he came. And we get these little moments. And that's not good enough if you're comparing with the best clubs in the world, what their strikers are doing, it's not quite good enough. So maybe Palestre will get more minutes and, and do well, but United need a number nine. With Vegost, he works hard. You can see that he's an honest player. He speaks well. You can see he's an honest person. It feels almost unfair to, to get on his case. I think he's got away with it a little bit also because Manchester United have been winning matches, but you've got to score. If Marcus Rashford... His goal against Brentford was the 10th time he scored a winning goal for Manchester United this season. Oh, wow. Exactly. Imagine if Rashford would have been injured this season. United would have been flummoxed. And Rashford may be best coming off the left. I thought he did very well centrally. He can play as a 9, he can play as a 10. That link-up with Sabitzer looked decent, but a number 9 is an absolute priority for Manchester United. And Rashford's actually... I know he's not been prolific in recent weeks, but only one player at, at Napoli has scored more goals than him since the, the World Cup. So Rashford's numbers are fantastic this season. Was that number 28? 28, yeah. Yeah, Victor Oshiman's the only player in Europe's top five leagues to have scored more exactly. league goals uh, post the World Cup, I think. Or, or competitions, maybe, actually. Uh, but yeah, it, they, they both scored a lot of goals. <laughs> Interesting, actually, that the way you spoke about some of the, the other players in Manchester United's attack there, Andy, because I, I interviewed Anthony uh, before this game and I asked him about um, whether his record of scoring in the first three Premier League games and not since and not getting any assists at all uh, in league football for Manchester United was a source of disappointment for him. And he said it was and he intended to improve, but in the answer he referenced the fact that he feels he's there to play for his teammates and his teammates play for him. Um, and he talked about taking joy from the number of goals that Rashford scored and taking joy even from people like Fred and Casimiro getting on the score sheet and not necessarily him. Um, Laurie, the thing with that is it, you know, I, I, I understand his point, but people like Veghorst, people like Anthony, people like Jaden Sancho, whose numbers have actually been much better than those two. Um, you also want them to be the ones who want to be on the end of things and, and winning games for Manchester United, don't you? That that's Teamwork's brilliant and we want that, but we want them to be the killers as well, don't we? Yeah, and, and he definitely has tried. I mean, how many shots did he have against Brentford? One of the worst shots that he had nearly turned into a good assist for Marcus Rashford, actually, in the second half. Right, um, yeah, yeah. He had five. Although he'll probably say he was crossing it. Five, which is miles more than anyone else. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Andy. You, you've got the stats this time. I didn't have stats for that one. So uh, what was his XG for, for the game? Um, I, bet it'd be, I bet it'd be tiny because all the, the times that he takes shots are, you know, these kind of long range. And, and he, obviously he can do it. You know, we saw against City. Um, we've seen, I'm trying to think, was it Betis? Barcelona, you know, great, great finish from that kind of range. Real Betis he, was a great goal, wasn't it, as well? Because yeah, it came at a really he, important time in the match, but... You just again we're, we're talking about the same thing almost, but you, you just want him to do it more, don't you? Yeah, more, more have more. It's a it's a good trick to have, but how often does it come off? Um, more tricks would be nice. He did set up Scott McTominay, didn't he, with his right foot uh, that low cross, um, which which actually came from. I just wanted to mention Bruno Fernandes, two really nice passes. Uh, Bruno out to I think Dolo wasn't it for that move, and then also that was with his right, and then 
uh, out with his left to Rashford, uh, that then resulted in Fred putting it over from Rashford's cross. So that that was that was Fernandez in a deeper role that kind of had an effect. But yeah, in relation to Anthony, um, yeah, you do, and he, 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 you know, he wants to be the guy. He he, he has that. That's, that's a good characteristic to have when you're at Manchester United because you you you, um, you can't be cowed by the atmosphere and the, the crowd and everything and, and he does he does certainly put a shift in and he was he was obviously very disappointed to get taken off at Newcastle um, when I thought he had probably he was probably one of the better players in in, in that game um, but so you want a player to be that kind of driven to kind of play all the matches but then yeah it, it, there needs to be a I don't know just a great consistency maybe that will come in time maybe you know we're kind of getting a few flickers a few glimmers of, of what he can do and once he settles into the rhythm of the Premier League that he'll start being able to figure out how to get past certain players and, and have more to his game than, than kind of that cutting in and, and having a shot on his left um, but yeah I, I, it's, it's interesting that your interview with him Ian and that, that's what he said because I mean you do you want them to have the 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 totality of the team in mind when they're playing the game, uh, but as you say, I think also having that sort of that desire to to do it themselves as well. Yeah, he tried early on actually to go down the outside a couple of times uh, and beat um, Russ Levy, who was playing at left wing back, and he he just didn't manage to do it, and then didn't didn't try again really. Um, I think that is an area of his game that he's trying to improve, no doubt. Um, because he needs to, because there needs to be more variety, like we've talked about, you know, over and over again. Uh, Dan Sheldon's written a piece on The Athletic about the numbers behind Marcus Rashford's remarkable form, remarkable season. Andy, you mentioned before about him um, winning 10 games for Manchester United this season with his goals uh, and about the record, of course, of, of scoring after the World Cup. But, you know, he is undoubtedly Manchester United's talisman, 36% of the club goals scored in 22-23 for United have been scored by Marcus Rashford. Interesting as well that his conversion rate um, is the second highest of any season um, in his career since his first season, um, which is weird that you'd start off clinical, drift a bit and then come back to this point now. But um, yeah, you're right. Where would we be without Marcus Rashford? It, it, it's such a it's such an issue for, for United. He's become the main man and, and it's great to see and he's a Mancunian, he's a United fan. It's the people around him who need to raise a game. You mentioned Anthony. Um, I did a lot of research into Anthony earlier on this season, spoke to people in Sao Paulo, pe- people who coached him, people at Ajax and just got told information that at Ajax, the coaches could get very frustrated when he'd cut back in games to beat a player rather than attacking the space. And and yet he also became their most effective player and the most expensive player that the IX ever sold is still a work in progress. Definitely, I do think he will come good actually because he's that favela kid whose pressure um, doesn't affect him in the way that other players are affected. And remember speaking to someone at the club in December when United were in Spain, and that person said to me. Half the battle here is whether the player can handle the pressure. It's not just about the talent. So many players come here and cannot stick the scrutiny that comes with being a Manchester United player. But Anthony's had sticks since he's been a kid. He was released at Sao Paulo. His whole life is almost about proving people wrong, coming up against adversity, overcoming it. And if you track his career from a very early age, and see what he came up against and how far he travelled to train to play junior football and how many times he was knocked back and told, you're not good enough. 
you're never going to make it as a footballer. I do actually think he will come good. And if he can combine effectively with Marcus Rashford, then potentially Manchester United could become very, very good. We saw pre-season Martial Rashford really, really good. Sancho as well. And Sancho as well. The link up between the three of them, yeah. Yeah. We saw it a bit last night when Martial came on as well, that the the link-up's there again, you know, the same sort of triangles and patterns are are there. Sancho up until September was doing fine. remember speaking to him at Leicester away after the win where he'd done well. He was one of the best players pre-season, but you've got to be consistent. And the mental side of being a Manchester United player is unlike being at most other clubs. You... You get the benefits of the high wages, the stardom, the massive surge in social media numbers, if that's the type of thing that you're into. But a big pressure comes with that as well. Some players can handle it, some players can't. It just needs to click. I think the best case for United is Ten Hag stays, the takeover gets sorted, good money spent in the summer, bring a nine in, maybe a right back, maybe another midfielder but also get more from the existing players and continue to move a couple of the players on, which I think United did effectively last season. The mood is miles better in the dressing room than it was a year ago. Things were really falling apart a year ago. We talked about that stat the other day, that United had only three more points than at the same stage last season. That is true, but it's also slightly misleading because United in the last 10 games last season completely fell apart. I don't think United will do this season. I think they made a sterner stuff and will need to be because there's cup competitions as well. I just want to say that it was a good attack that beat Brentford. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed it, but nice little ball in by Anthony. And that, that that's, you know, we should touch on that. It was a lovely sort of thought in his mind to, to create that. Sabitzer, as you said, Andy, had it back. And Marcus Rashford in the rude Van Nistelrooy role. Yeah. He was offside. And then he comes back on and manages to just be like, and, and you've got those five Brentford players around that are all suddenly thinking, oh shit, he's onside. We better like, and, but they're, they're in the wrong position. They're too late. It's a split second thing and they haven't got enough time. Um, I was actually watching Gary Neville's overlap with um, Ruud van Nistelrooy the other day. And he, he spoke about that, how he actually was a kind of midfielder when he was coming through at PSV Eindhoven, kind of a number 10. And then he, he just switched and became this ruthless pursuer of goals and, and how uh, a coach he had early in his career basically said you should just linger offside sometimes you know and just kind of catch defenders off guard I think Rashford in his um, situation actually had, had, had just sprinted hadn't it it wasn't like a deliberate choice to kind of linger it, it was kind of like he'd, he'd gone for the first ball and it had gone the other way but then he managed to quickly readjust and, and get back onside for the for the square pass so yeah if, if you're comparing him to a Ruud van Nistelrooy type finisher then I mean, 30 goals would be a brilliant season for him. It's really great to see, isn't it, after the season that he had last last year and um, the kind of criticism and, and the scrutiny that he's faced to kind of keep responding in these ways, in these crucial moments. Yeah, you think, I mean, 10 winning goals this season, Andy. I didn't know that stat. That is, that is incredible. Um, you think back to the Wolves game when he got dropped and he responded in the right way. The, the one kind of... So, obviously, De Gea pulled off a really good save. The one kind of thing, again, that I, I will do at some point, the, the, the goal kicks. So, like, you know, Brentford obviously had... had 
you know that's that's how they terrorised United um, earlier in the season, and it was good to see United actually. You know they didn't toy about with it too much, but there was that one moment when Ivan Tony blocks it, and it's it's Martinez passing it back to De Gea again. I didn't think De Gea's distribution at any point last night w- was comfortable. To be honest, the longer the game went on, the more concerned there was about it. Really, certainly inside the ground, it felt like that. I say, and you, you can see that, right? Can't you? But being there, you sort of sense it a bit more. The mm. kind of conversations that are taking place between the players and, and the kind of levels of anxiety. I mean, I did ask uh, Tanag about this um, you know, before the Brentford game and, and he, he said that actually he felt really confident in what they'd done at Newcastle. And I do, I watched them all back. I know I'm sad, but uh, I went on Scout and kind of um, just looked at all the different distributions at Newcastle. And, and there were a couple of moments, particularly uh, at 1-0 in the second half, where Martinez passes it back to De Gea and then he quickly passes it back to Martinez, who, who slips a ball in between Callum Wilson and Anthony Gordon to Fernandez on the edge of the box, and he, he swings it forward first time to Marshall, who, who touches it. His control, Marshall's control is, is superb, and that's what Valvegos can't give you. So in those moments when you need it to stick first time, Marshall can do that. But that's what it requires with those kind of goal kicks. It's kind of like a high wire sort of balancing act, and, and you need someone like Martinez who can thread a ball through two different players. And I, th- I guess the idea is that I need to do some research on it and ask, ask the actual question. But I guess the idea is that you're sort of opening up passing lanes by going back to De Gea first, so that he can then give it back to your centre back. Uh, and you know, so but it, it's clearly a work in progress. Right. Well, if you want to read more about the numbers behind Marcus Rashford's game and also about Veghorst, of course, as well, both those pieces are up on the Athletic right now. Remember, there's an offer up there for one pound a month when you sign up at theAthletic.com forward slash Man United pod. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, just a reminder that Talk of the Devils is up for Best Team Pod at the Sports Podcast Group Awards. The voting actually closes um, later on today on Thursday, so there's still time to get your votes in for us if you would do so, please. Um, Laurie has posted uh, on Twitter the details of exactly how to do that, and we'll put a link up again, uh, and Andy... Yourself and I should probably do that today as well, just to give a bit of a push to people to vote for us. Please do. We really appreciate your support. Uh, And today is the last day for those votes as well. So look out for those posts. Yeah, please do. I know it's all about the uh, product and we we have such fun making this and hopefully you find it informative. Uh, But we are a bit competitive as well, aren't we? And I know I shouldn't mention this, but um, the Tottenham Hotspur pod is one of our rivals from The Athletic. Oh, check you out. So come on, let's... 
Let's exactly. Let's have a bit of United over Spurs again. Lads, it's Champions Tottenham. League places, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so nice, like because you get responses from people on on social media and that, that, that have done it. So thanks so so much to people that have done that. And then I even got someone in in real life uh, that was quite funny. So this is last Thursday. I'm just going to play the voice note that I sent into the group that we've got for Talk of the Devils, just to kind of you know spare me repeating myself. Hey guys, uh, I've just had a nice little curry at Eastern Revive in Wilmslow. Come out, some guy shouts to me, up the reds! And I mean, I'm like, is he talking to me? So I gave him a fist pump and then he just went, tell me, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I was like, oh, he's talking to me. Um, a guy <laughs> called Pubby, Andy, do you know him? Anyway, that's who was, uh, sounds like a ardent Talk of the Devils listener, if you can recognise me in a curry house in Wilmslow. <laughs> See ya. Do you know him, Andy? Pubby's a, Do you know what you're talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know Pubby. He's a he's a legend among Manchester United fans. He's very well known. He's from Wivenshaw originally. And yeah, he's a, he's a top lad. I, I'm, he used to make a point of when he go on European away trips or even worldwide away trips, buying the worst possible souvenir from that city for his mother. I once bumped into him on Sugarloaf Mountain in Rio de Janeiro in 2000, and he got this really terrible velvet shawl out of a plastic bag and said, look what I've bought me mum. But he said, I take it back to me mum, and she thinks they're brilliant and like puts them above the mantelpiece. So <laughs> he wouldn't go and buy the things which were famous from the city, just try and find the tackiest souvenir possible. But yeah, he's a top lad, and... Fan community is important. These characters make a fan base. And while we're talking about fans, I really should mention that it's Ian Sterling's funeral today. And Ian was someone who did so much for Manchester United fans. And the club have been really good uh, since Ian passed in, in the way that um, they, they, they mentioned Ian and the players wore the black armbands and they put the reef on Ian's seat in, in J-Stand and... There'll be a big, big turnout for, for Ian's funeral, including from very senior people at Manchester United. And I, I think all Manchester United fans, especially those who were helped by Ian Sterling, and many, many were and don't even realise it, w- would like to say, rest in peace, Ian Sterling. Yeah, I'd echo that as well. I mean, I, I only knew him a little bit from since covering Man United in 2019, but he was always very good with his time, forthright with his opinions. And you sort of felt like he was someone that had, the fans back and would get stuff done um, and I think he's a huge loss so I hope that goes um, as smoothly as it can be today um, but yeah I, I'm sorry to Pubby for not coming and saying hello to you because I should have done uh, I just wasn't quite sure exactly what the situation was and I was I don't know if you sensed that I was quite breathy on the voice note but this was this was you were four days breath, after weren't you it's a bit weird I was walking and I'd, I'd done my half marathon like four days before and it was like my first sort of walk out since you were still out of breath from but... running four days previously what I, listen I know I look like a, an absolute supreme athlete but it takes out of I've you I've seen the, the gym selfies marathon. yeah <laughs> So, Pubby, I'm sorry, but I'll come and say hello next time. It'd be nice to meet you. I'm surprised with your broad shoulders. You fit on one of those mirrors to be able to do one of those selfies. But anyway, that's maybe <laughs> a conversation for another day. Let's preview Everton. I'll save you from it, Laurie. <laughs> I said at the top that I feel a little bit better about this game than, than perhaps I did before Brentford. I think the response, actually, from United was important last night. But it's only important if you keep winning, isn't it? Because... The competition for these European places only seem like they're intensifying. Even 
I think I mentioned Brighton a couple of weeks ago. I'm beginning to look at Aston Villa and seeing what they're doing as well. Um, mm, yeah. Maybe we don't need to go quite that deep, Laurie, but um, it's important for United to get the three points again on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, really important. Uh, and, and Everton, you know, Sean Dyche has gone in there and just, just made them harder to beat, hasn't it? Just kind of got... Uh, you know, organised them, uh, got them understanding their roles, and you, you sort of felt even Spurs with, with um, you know, an extra man in that second half. Um, they they were the ones that were kind of cautious. I don't know if that says more about Spurs or Everton, but you know, you sort of felt. I know then Spurs got a player sent off as well, but you sort of felt that Everton deserved to get a point out of that game. You know, they they kind of showed that resilience that we were talking about earlier about United. Um, and yeah, great goal by Michael Keane. Uh, I'm sure he'd love to do one at Old Trafford as well. He spent many years there, didn't he? But um, and there'd be no sp- split loyalties for him. Um, but it's mad, isn't it, how you think how football works? You know, Frank Lampard was the manager last time United faced Everton. And Sean Dyche has come in and, and sort of got them you know, with a bit of hope to stay up. And now Frank Lampard's going to go in at Chelsea's interim manager. And I think we were talking off air as well, weren't we? Like It sort of has that feel of the Ralph Ranick uh era for United and does he have does he have authority you know will the players listen to him he's already been there clearly at the club as well so that's kind of another interesting element um but yeah you were saying it's it's far worse at Chelsea now weren't you in the, the kind of turmoil and this is perhaps something for a future uh podcast because they haven't come to Old Trafford yet have they Chelsea so um but yeah in terms of Everton um I think it's going to be another difficult game but United should have just about enough when was the last time Andy Manchester United beat Everton at Old Trafford in the Premier League Oof. You take out the words Premier League, the Hammerdon pre-season and a friendly last year, whenever. Well, they beat him in the FA Cup at Old Trafford in in January, (laughs) in fairness. But in the Premier League, don't go all Eric Ten Hag on me here. Go on. October 2018. Wow. Wow. And United have been hammered by Everton since then. Conceded four, didn't we, at Goodison, I think that was April 19. The same season, like, year after one all draw middle. at Old Trafford, year after three all draw at Old Trafford, year after one all draw at Old Trafford. Yeah, record at home's poor. Everton, look at the last result since they got beat 4 0 at Arsenal on March the 1st. They drew 2 all at Forest, they beat Brentford 1 0. So only United and Everton have beaten Brentford since the World Cup. Since October, yeah. They drew 2 all at Chelsea and they drew 1 all on Monday night and as I said I was surrounded by Evertonians and I said I will support you to the end of this game and then obviously not for the rest of the week who do you expect to play at Old Trafford and they they all said very very similar team to the one who'd started against Tottenham become hard to beat as you say um, midfield they lost to Corey got a red card in it the other night so that'll be one change but yeah, yeah. midfield is the, the strongest part of, of their side Um I remember that game last season when Everton drew one all. And I said it in the last podcast, that was the first time when support really dropped for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah. That was when you felt it. That was a real, oof, can't even be Everton well, That was when he didn't start Cristiano Ronaldo. And it then was. you had the sort of Fergie afterwards with Khabib, the UFC fighter. Um, yeah. It, it <laughs> felt like it was unravelling at that point. Yeah. How long ago does that seem? It's like a <laughs> lifetime ago. It's mad. Last season. The goal United conceded was when Gray just ran through several players and Fred didn't even look like he, he was there. So it's going to be as tough a game, I think, as Brentford. I would happily accept a 1-0 win. Points are really important for Manchester United and Everton will be treated with respect because Dyche has got them doing what Sean Dyche does. 
I was told, ah, this I remember this from Monday night. Sean Dyche, um, his original template for Burnley was the Valencia team of Hector Cooper and the Valencia side, which reached two Champions League finals. Basically, we know we've got limited resources. Let's make ourselves so defensively strong and really, really hard to beat. And the person who told me was actually sent over to Valencia in the time before he's the all these scouting packages and was trawling around Europe to buy DVDs of Valencia um, matches to give to Sean Dyche um, when he came in at Burnley. That was his original template. So he's good at what he does, isn't he? That's fascinating. Yeah, I found that very, very interesting. Because it's completely unexpected. You'd expect him to model his game on like Brian Clough or like um, no, Valencia. Sam Allardyce even or something like that, but not Hector Cooper of Valencia. Yeah circa 2000 yeah yeah so it worked for them and i think sean dyche has had a very very good managerial career close to fergie as well isn't it dyche he'd, he'd speak openly often when he was at burnley about yeah. having the ear of sir alex and the advice yeah. that he'd given him and how much he'd helped over the years i know a lad called ashley westwood ash is also a manager and he played with sean dyche at northampton town both central defenders and ash was the harder of the two of them and they're still very, very good friends. And Ash lives in Australia now. He's commentated for MUTV on pre-season tours. And he comes back and he stays at Sean's house. I think he lives in Nottingham. And when he was out of work, they had a really good night out together. But the idea of Ash being the hard man of the two <laughs> makes me think that Northampton team were probably really hard to beat if you're going to try and out-muscle them. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, Okay. We'll be back, of course, after that Everton game uh, and see if we can stop Hector Cooper's inspired Everton. Although that was maybe Burnley, but I'm, I'm sure he's taking some of the principles on. He's going back to the well, isn't he, there? He's not changing the blueprint. Fascinating bit of detail there. Absolutely. No, not at all. Right, remember, for all the best Manchester United writing and beyond, subscribe to The Athletic now and you can pay just £1 a month for the first year when you sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But Andy, thank you. Laurie, thank you as well. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Remember those votes as well. Look out for social media because we want to beat Spurs. All right. Cheers. See you soon. Bye. Athletic.